Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, put your heads together right now. Listen, I don't know where you're listening to this at. Maybe you're in your car, you're at the crib. Maybe at the mall, the country club, maybe in the hospital. You could even be on lockdown. But I dare you to get this in your spirit, speak to your situation and say, I will. Freddie P, can you let him know something? I will bless his holy name Whether in good time, sorrow, sunshine, or in rain Everything in me will find the reason To bless his name, yeah, yeah Yeah Yeah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Fred Hammond this morning, and I will bless his holy name. All that's inside this dusty frame will bless his name. Hallelujah, he's worthy, he's worthy. We're talking about the son of the true and living God, the God that have all power. There's no higher power. Jehovah, his son, Jesus, hallelujah. We were blessed, his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We need to lift him up today. He's worthy, he's worthy. Lift him up every day. But today is where we are. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's not promised. But today, right here where we are, we need to lift him up. Hallelujah. He said if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. And so we're so grateful this morning to have a God who can draw us. Yeah. If we lost, he can find us and draw us, which he already know where we are. Hallelujah. We have several things today um, lined up, and uh, we're going to have Bishop E.B. Hill again today with his classic sermon. And uh, as our main speaker, but we're going to hear uh, some things that maybe we didn't even know. Yeah. And so we're going to hear that today and tell the Lord thank you. And EB classic sermon is say it again. Say it again. Hallelujah. And I know this will bless us again this morning. So many requested him. Bring him, bring him. So I said, well, I'll do it. A double shot. Yeah. So Wednesday we got it and Thursday we're going to have E.B. Hill again and then we're going to have Dr. Uh, Marcus Cosby. And uh, when it's out of your hand, when it's out of your hand, hallelujah, we're going to listen to him. And uh, we've heard him before, uh, his testimony about his son. So I believe this encourages and it helps people. Because many are going through the same thing. Yeah, I ministered to a lady last night about her son. And let me tell y'all something this morning, too, and then we go into prayer. I know when we have children, we love these children. Oh, we love them, we love them. And when something happens to these children, whether it's their fault or somebody else's fault, honey, it's like we fall to pieces. But let me tell you this, parents, and parents with adult children, God made your children for his pleasure. They really belong to him. You're the vessel he used to bring them into the world, mothers. But they don't just belong to you, fathers. And if you train your child in the way he should go when he get old, he won't depart from it. You're going to know something about this, I'm telling you. When your child get in trouble and they lock him or her up, you're going to know something. Now, the only way you don't know something is you looking through your natural eyes. You're not going to God in the spirit concerning your youngins. And many parents know the child is guilty of what the child done, but they stand back and say, now, nah, I don't believe my child did that. You knew, you know what was going on. He wasn't coming home. He wasn't doing the same things he used to do. 
his attitude or her attitude had gotten bad. You saw them hanging out with the wrong people. You knew their friends wasn't their friends. They were just some associates that your children thought was their friends. And they got in trouble uh, for somebody else. One of these thought was somebody they thought was their friend. Listen, if God allowed your child, girl or boy, to go to a drug treatment and they locked them up for months, if God allow your child to go to the military, if he allow your child to go to prison, go to jail, know this, God is sparing your child's life. Because if they stay where they are, they're not going to make it. You can talk to your child in a drug rehabilitation place. You can talk to your child if they go to the military, if they go to jail or prison. You can talk to your child, but if they dead, you can talk to them, but they can't talk back to you. And we got to learn to accept what God allows. Sometimes God allows them to be in, in, locked up so that he can get their full attention because when they're out here, there's too much going on. They don't get the full attention. They don't give God their full attention. Oh, and some mothers, they love them boys. Oh, my goodness. It does not make sense for you to uphold your child in their wrongdoing. You go back and repent and give them to God and walk away. And that's the hardest thing for people to do. Yet they say, I got faith. I trust God. God hear what you say, but he see what you're doing. And what you're saying and doing is two different things. So it's a lie. You're saying it out your mouth, but you don't believe it in your heart. Oh, and let me tell you something. That's some of the hardest ministering you ever want to see. When them mothers love them boys, or they love their daughter beyond, oh, more than they could ever love God. Do y'all hear what I'm telling you this morning? They'll sell their house, they'll sell their soul. To get them boys out of prison or to get the girl out of prison. But God shut every door. I'm going to get me two lawyers. I'm telling you from experience, that's what I said for mine. I'm going to get two lawyers. In other words, the Lord said, I beg your pardon. You're not going to get nobody. This is in my hand. I sent you to talk to them. I came and talked to them. I sent other people. They wouldn't listen. So it's in my hands, except what I allow. I went on. But he let me know when he come out. Watch what I do in him when he come out. He became the bishop. <laughs> because I let go. I trust God. I believe what he said, and I let him have his way. Many times we can go to the word, and the word will speak to us, but we don't want to hear that. We want to run to the prophet. The prophet is we want to go over here to the past and we want to get a word. Always wanting a word. You got 66 books. You have 66 books. All the words you could ever need is in there. That's like to me a slap in God's face saying, I don't want your written word. Pow. Speak to me now. And sometimes what you got to say 
you don't want to hear. When he let you know that boy that you love so much going to get 50 years, you don't want to hear that, but you want a word. They're always running behind somebody to get a word. When you get there and they tell you you don't have but three weeks to live, what you going to do then? You wanted a word. You didn't get in the word. You wanted a word. But you wanted. But if you'd have got in them 66 books, you'd have found out that boy turned his face to the wall and God gave him 15 more years. You'd find out the woman at the well soon could have committed suicide, but Jesus came along. You're going to find out that they were going to stone the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. They were going to stone her, but Jesus was there. And he spared a life. He saved a life. We'll find that out, all these things, in the word of God. Not that he give us a direct word, hot off the press, straight from heaven. Yeah, he, he, he's not giving a word in them 66. He's giving his word, the word, the truth. But we don't want this. And I'm telling you, parents, give your children to God. Train them up in the way that they should go. Look, they, you didn't train them in the way that they should go when they turned out to be heathens. Now you crying and it's my fault. I got to see about little Johnny. He locked up. I got to see about little Teresa. She locked up. You should be made to be locked up with him. Because you didn't instill nothing in them. Yeah. Somebody told me said one thing about your children, Barbara. They don't talk crazy to you. Before they talk crazy, they walk away. They was trained. You'll hear each one of them say, oh, no, I'm fool with my mama now because I know what the words say. I don't want no punishment from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can train them sometimes and they still want to act a donkey. But you put that kind on the altar and walk away. God is going to deal with them. Because a lot of times, it's like they're born angry today. They're just so full of anger. What in the world? And why are you so angry? Because they're looking and listening to the world. And the world tells them you're entitled. You should have this as a child. You should have that. You should be able to do this and do that. And if they do anything, then you call the police on them. Yeah. Back in my day, you could have called them if you want. <laughs> but the police, the police might have spanked you themselves. Go ahead and call them. And before your parents can get to you, the police done got you. And, and because they believe it took a village to raise a child. Everybody watching you. Many days I thought I was getting away with some stuff, wasn't getting away with nothing. Some adult in the neighborhood saw it, told my parents. I couldn't lie. Yeah. And sometimes, uh-huh, yeah, Brother Lewis. And sometimes they would say, you calling this so-and-so a lie? Oh, my 
goodness, you finna get, oh, you really finna get it now because you done called an adult a liar. Back in the day, we said grown people, grown folks. You done call that grown woman a liar. Oh, you finna get a really good one now. They finna spank you. Why? They was training you in the way you should go. They was training you to have respect for your elders, respect for adults. The day all that's going out the window. Nobody taught these kids nothing. It's like they just were put in the world and they taught themselves. And the system, what we call the legal system, it don't help parents. It, it, it won't your children to fail so they can become their children. Children of the juvenile system. Children of the prison system. So that's free labor. And you sitting back, got little Johnny watching MTV and all this craziness and he full of games and video games. Mama, you gonna get them games? Yeah, I got one for you. Squat and rake that yard. Get them leaves up properly. You've been taught how to do it and get like, Mama, you, you, yeah, I'm gonna get it for you. When you get and, and do what I told you to do. And see, I didn't like to talk too many times, tell you the same thing over and over. Now, I, I just wasn't that kind of parent. They, they never told me nothing was wrong with you. You was mentally challenged. They never told me you was handicapped. They never told me nothing like that about you. And I've been taking you to the doctor for years. So now guess what? And let me know nothing is wrong with you. You comprehend well. You understand well. You speak English. I'm not saying you understand it, but you do speak it enough that you can get the job done. So there's no need for me to continue to talk to you when I've explained to you what, what the deal was. <laughs> yeah. And you have to watch children. You can't just turn them loose. And today you cannot trust anybody. Back in the day, I didn't know that. I thought preachers was real in God. I thought people going to church went because they loved God and they was real in God. I thought the police could never make a mistake. I didn't think the prosecutor would lie in a case so that he could win or she could win. I never thought these people would be heartless. Not looking into the individual's life because these are human beings too. They did wrong, but why? What's going on? Why would you do things outside of being a normal human being? Let's investigate. They don't have time for that. They're in competition now. They're trying to go to the next office. So they don't care. What, what the reason was, is there something we can do to fix it? No, that's not important. What's important is I get a, another notch in my belt for convicting another person. You could not tell me back in the day that school teachers, educators, did not love children and wanted the best of them. I found out that was a lie. Some educators will rape your children. Some educators will go with your 13-year-old son and she's a full-grown woman. Listen, 
Watch your children if you have them. They have young children especially. Watch your children. Your adult children, pray for them. Continue to try to encourage them, but pray for them because sometimes they make you want to just get that cast iron skillet I talk about. And we can't do that. And even your adult children, be careful how you talk to them today. Yeah, I used to I, I used to know I'm not one of mine out because I had the power. I'm not talking about why they was little, I'm talking about right now why they adults. I knew I had the wallet game. They think they got one, but I had the first wallet game, so I know some things they don't. So we have to be careful in the way that we talk to them. I found that out. Because we don't want to provoke them to wrath. Yeah, we don't want to provoke them into saying something to us that they shouldn't. They should have respect for parents, but parents should have respect for your children as well. That's very true. It's not a one-sided relationship. But give your children, your adult children, to the Lord here and walk away. Stop struggling with it. He made them. He, you didn't bring them this far. He brought them. He turned your child 34 years old. He turned your child 50. He turned your child in their 40s. Not you. I know you got that I-ism. You know, I, I bought them. I taught them. I raised them. No, you, you did what you were supposed to do. You're a vessel. God woke them up every morning to turn whatever age they are today. He gave them life, health, and strength. You didn't do that. You couldn't. Oh, I had to go wake them up. Now you shook them and God woke them up. You called their name and God woke them up. But without him, we can do nothing. So y'all let these, these adult children go. If they don't want to do what's right, just let them go. Put them on the altar and walk away. God got it. But we're so scared something's going to happen. Oh, my child. Oh, Lord Johnny, I got it. So Johnny knew what he was doing, I promise you. And then we try to many days blame it all on the police. Now, you saw who little Johnny was hanging out with. You heard the tone in his voice when he was talking to you, Now it wasn't the same. God knows you'd have a heart attack if he died, so what God does is allow him to get somewhere and sit down so his life could be spared. Hallelujah. Yeah, Brother Lewis, she is, but she didn't want nobody to know, so, yeah, I was chilling, not, you know. Provoking her to wrath. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we thank God this morning that he's on our side and even concerning our children. He support us. But we got to always give them back to him and stop. They're adults now. And see, I'm this way. When mine come and acting like they're adults, you can't ask me for nothing. Adults take care of themselves. We call them grown people. Grown people provide for themselves. They're not coming asking mom and daddy for nothing. Now, my may come and ask me to bake me a cheesecake, bake me some bread pudding. 
But that that coming for money thing and child support and you you can't keep a job at now you gonna have to keep that one because of this. If you don't have a job, you can't pay your way. And I don't have no money to help you out with to pay your way. Yeah, I, I'm looking for you as your mother to come over here and do something for me. So I know I can't. Now we're gonna start that. So you're gonna keep it going. And every time something you don't like as an adult, you're going to quit and run home. No, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm 65. I need my rest. I need my peace and quiet. I need what I need. Yeah. And I'm not talking about good children now because there are some good children. I got one. Bless their mama. Uh, provide for the mama. Take good care of both parents if they was living. That kind of thing. Uh, if the parents stayed together and not divorced. But you got some children that that's not where they head at. Their head is in the user mode. Yeah. They, uh, uh, oh, mom and daddy got it like that. I'm going to go get it for mama. No, no, no. You won't get it from this mama. And child support, oh, oh, no, 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 no. No, because she was taught. And you knew where babies come from. Yeah, even the pastor held a seminar class on that, so you know. I taught uh, classes on before the young lady become pregnant. And, and, and the man and the boy come with her. Yeah, the boys could come in with the girls and hear this. So it was no excuse for you. Now you got a baby or two, and you want me to pay you, give you some money so you can pay your child support. You got life in a ditch. You got you want your mama to pay. You got life in a bubble gum. I didn't raise you to be uh, non-independent. To, to depend on me. My boys, when they turned uh, 14, by the time they turned 14 in the house, they had to have an after-school job. They had to be in activities at the school. They had to be writing out things that they needed to do to get into college, and they had to know what they were going to college for. Uh, they chose the military. My oldest one, Lonnie, he chose the military. He wasn't going to go no more to school. Not like that. He went to college to do the military, though. So he thought he was getting a deal, two for one. And until this day, he feel blessed. Good morning, uh, uh, Doc Ministries. God bless you this morning. Good to see you. So look, what we got to do is go back to the Word. Always go back to the Word of God. Always pray. And if your children are your main concern, <clears throat> then you pray and keep them on the altar. If we'll delight ourselves in him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Well, how you delighting, Barbara? I'm in the word. I'm praying. I'm helping people where I can, strangers and any. I'm a cheerful giver. If I, if I attend the church, I'm working in it. If I don't have an outside ministry, if I got a street ministry, I'm wide open.
because we always want to pray. We, we, he said we should, but we are always asking for stuff, not asking, Lord, <clears throat> what can I do to please you? What can I do to please you today, Lord? What did you choose me to do? What did you call me to do? I want to be about your work. I want to be about your business. You said in your word, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more labors. And Father, I'm asking that you would send more labors. But I need you to remember the labor that you called and chose me for. And Lord, show me what it is and help me to get my work done. Now, they teach it all the time because they want you to know that it's not by your works that's going to save you. We saved by the blood of Jesus. We we saved because of the love of God, but that work he needed to get done. Before you entered the world, he had already had a plan and a system for you. He didn't wait until the day of and say, oh, I think I'll make Barbara. And then once I was born, he decided, no. Before I entered my mother's womb, he already knew what he would use me for. He already knew I had the title evangelist because he gave it to me. He gave me work that I go and spread the good news of his son, Jesus Christ. That I go and encourage the saints of God. I tell you who he is, what he has done, what he will do. And maybe what he's doing right in that in that second, in that hour. Because we just want to go to him and get stuff. We, we just want to go to him and let him know we need. He supplied need according to his riches and glory by his son, Christ Jesus. Let's go to him and find out what we need to do unto him. Your children will be blessed. Let me tell you, eight biological, if I worry about them, uh, <laughs> my name is Stony Mountain. If I worry about a one of them, I dare time when they tell me things, I'm a bit concerned, but I'm going to God. He made them, and he proved it to me. They belong to me. You're right there with them, and you can't save them. You're right there with them, and you can't spare their lives. Only I can. So when I hear something, they tell me something that I, I can get a bit concerned, but I'm, I'm I'm putting it on the altar and I'm walking away. I promise you. I didn't give them everything they wanted, yet they were spoiled. I cooked good for them. Oh, yes. Tried my very best, the best that I could to keep them safe. Tried to train them and teach them. This is not what you do right here. You see that group of that's not who you associate with. Try to show them love. Some people want to hear you say you love them. And many people tell them they love them, but they don't show them no love. I think actions speak louder than words. I'm going to just tiptoe right here. I'm going to tiptoe and run at the same time in Jesus. That's how I feel right now. His word is true. If you feel God, he going to give you wisdom. He gave me wisdom on how to teach the children, but their eyes was on the world. 
They wanted what the world had, and the young people they were hanging with wanted what they had. One young man came to the house to ask to spend one night. I think it was almost six weeks later before I got him up out my house. I had to ask his mama, can he come home? Do he still live with you? He said, we're going to get jobs. We're going to help you. No, 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 go get you a job and help your mother. These, these young men in here, they already know what to do. They already know the plan. Because one day they're going to go in the world, and the world is not going to treat them like I treated them. The world was not going to show my children love like I showed them. So I had to prepare them to go into the world, and I tried to prepare them through Jesus. I didn't send them to church. I took them. I cooked at home, homemade from scratch meals. It's love in that. Bought them their favorite cereals, their favorite thing. I don't eat field peas. Okay, well, what do you eat? I want uh, green beans. Well, we got green beans. I tried to show them love and that I love them. But sometimes you can do this and they miss the mark because their eyes is in the world. Their eyes on who they're going to school with. Oh, I like that guy there. He, he cool. Yeah, baby, he cooling on his way to hell, sugar. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I taught him. Not, not just sent them, you know, the Bible study and the Sunday school. I taught them at home. Yeah, when I learned to do better, I taught them better. And it wasn't very long because the prayers of the righteous are there as much. And my parents' prayers for the grandchildren is that I would get a brain so I could train. God would bless me with a mind so I could train my children in the way that they should go so that when they get old, they wouldn't depart from them. But some of us, we love these children so hard, love them right on in prison, love them right on the jail. Because we don't teach them nothing. And then again, sometimes we teach them and they turn out to do what they want because their eyes is in the world. And see, we know because now we saved, we've been sanctified. God done set us aside unto himself. We feel with the spirit. And see, now we know that we come out from among them and we separate it from the world. We don't look like the world. We don't act like the world. Now we, we, we some other people. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Now that's the word. That's not Barbara. And if you don't think that you in him and he in you, go back to the altar. And ask him for it again. And don't let go until he does it. I didn't let go until he feels it. I had to have that leader because I needed that leadership. I had to have that reminder because I was so forgetful. Hey, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Hey, thank you. Oh, thank you this morning, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. But when we don't have our mind right, and the only way to get it right is in God. Only way to get a new mind and a stable mind is to get with God. He give us power, he give us love, and he'll give us a sound mind. That's what he did. 
because he wished that none should perish. He don't want nobody being ignorant. He won't have us ignorant. If we say we saved and we're ignorant, it's because we haven't been in the word. It's because we don't have a proud life and a Bible study life. And it's because we come and asking for stuff and things. We're not asking him to fix our hearts and regulate our minds. We're not asking him for wisdom and knowledge and understanding of his word and what he would have us to do and the way he want us to walk in him. We praying for the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. We praying for the big Bentley. Yeah, we, 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 we praying for all kind of stuff. Other than, Lord, what would you have me to do? And we're so scared we're going to become homeless. Some people, they don't know what to do. But I hear the scripture over in Proverbs saying, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I can hear that this morning because he needs us to trust him. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. If we learn to trust him, there's nothing he won't do for us. He won't withhold even no good thing if we walk up right before him the best that we can. He knows the very intent of your heart. He knows what you can do and what you can't do. He already knows, but he wants you to open your mouth. Come unto me, all that's burdened in heaven. Hey, glory. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Mm, he don't want us stressed. He don't want us over-concerned. He don't want us worrying. You can be concerned, but not over-concerned because you're doing too much now. You don't do matters in your own hands. Without him, we can do nothing this morning. I hadn't planned to say all of this because I, I had some other stuff here. <laughs> but I have to let him have his way because he's helping somebody this morning. He is doing it. And he want to lift your burdens this morning, whatever they may be. may not be a child problem, children problem, husband problem, yeah, family problems. may not be a job problem, maybe some other problems. Maybe somebody not getting the full income tax back. And boy, that thing on their nerve. No, ma'am, let go. I remember one time, Shanti, they was told us, uh, I think it was going to be a month or two before they released tax money. And we were together. She said, Lord, lose my money. And uh, Lord, I can't help who money they hold up, but not mine. Let my money come through. And look, they called to come get your check. <laughs> I was so pissed. I said, not about the money. Oh, yeah, mama. I want my money. I got plans for it. And then I got things I want to do for you. I, my money. And oh, I was just tickled. And that money came on. Yeah. We can speak those things that are not as though they were. I used to call my children preachers when they were little boys. And at that time, I didn't know God had called all eight to ministry. But I used to call all eight preachers. Give me, give me that right there, preacher. Hey, hand me that remote over there, preacher. In the summer, I used to say, go pour me a glass of lemonade, preacher. 
They would be upset with me all in front of my friends calling me preacher. See, that let me know their eyes was in the world. I'm calling you a high-honored name, and you come out in front of your friends? One day I just laid hands on, on, on Eusis, the one we call Bree. I just laid hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, and I walked away. And as I was walking away, I could feel it. I said, oh, he got a different calling. Yeah, the rest of me ministers, I said, but this one here, this the evangelist here, he going to spread the good news. What is he doing right now? Spreading the good news. And got a position. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You see? Yeah, you got to train them up. See, because sometimes they're going to act as if they don't hear nothing, they don't know nothing. And what you said, you just old-fashioned and crazy. You don't know what's happening in the world today. See, this is what's going on now. I got to keep it 100. Yeah, all of this kind of foolishness. Look, you let them ride on here, baby. Encourage them in Jesus and let them ride on their way. Because when he gets through with them, oh, they're going to get in a place. I, I, I was applying to become a Muslim. Did y'all hear that? Oh, I was going to get my ex behind. It never happened. It never happened. God had a whole nother plan for my life. If he, and anything uh, he don't want you to do, he'll shut it down. You just keep trying. It keep failing. You just keep trying. It keep failing. It just keep, the timing ain't right. And then sometimes it's this. He's not going to let you go that way. That's not what's going to happen for you because it won't work together for your good. Anything he do for us, it must work together for our good because he says so. If we love him, if we know the call he called us to, if we're working unto him, all things going to work together for my good. I done seen all kind of stuff happen. Boy, and it looked like it was just going to go the wrong way. Oh, why? It don't have to be like that. God allowed it to be like that. And when the end results came, I was the one blessed beyond measure. Even got uncommon blessings and miracles and favor out the deal. Why? It looked bad now. Start off feeling bad. But it must, it had to work for my good. I love him today. And not only did he call me, but he chose me. Oh, yeah. So it's going to turn around for my favor, in my favor. Sometimes it have turned around right in front of my face. All I could say is, my God. So that's who did it, my God, Jehovah, oh, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one that so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son. And if we just simply believe on him, we won't perish, but have everlasting life. And, and, and the same God, look, he sent his son for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Huh? He's no respecter of persons. He can use anybody and anything. Any willing vessel, he can use you. He won't do it against your will, but if you're willing, my goodness, from Zion, he'll use you. Oh, amen goes right there. I feel the spirit of the Lord moving this morning. Hallelujah. And it won't be long. Oh, yeah. Let me get to prayer right quick. And uh, after prayer, uh, we're coming back with one request. 
and then I have a little clip I want to play uh, for you to take a listen to. If God be for us, he's more than the whole world against us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, thy word is settled in heaven. We thank you this morning for hearing and answering. Thank you for waking us up, closed in our right minds. Father, we thank you for the use and activity of our limbs. We thank you for our life, our health, and our strength. Lord, we may not all be feeling well, but God, we give it all to you this morning, for you're able to see us through. Our trials come to make us strong. Father, we are overcome by our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We're remembering your word today. Hallelujah. For your word hold true. Help us to focus in this hour. Help us to pray like never before in this hour. Father, the world has flipped in their minds upside down. Many want nothing to do with you. Many don't believe. And Father, yet you love them and you wish that none should perish. But this morning, Father, as we come before you and we lift you up today, we ask that you withdraw. For your word says if you be lifted up, you withdraw all men unto you. Do it today, O oh God. Save the lost. Save the non-believer. Remember our adult children today, O oh God. Save them, Lord. Speak to their hearts and minds. Show them you in a big way where they can't resist. In the name of Jesus. They are our seed, God. And we had testimonies to live to. And Lord, at the ending of their testimony, we know that they will be straight because you will have fixed their hearts and regulated their minds or took it in the right direction. They don't have a choice but say, I believe and I receive from you. Come into my heart and live forever. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your saving power this morning. Oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you for all you've done, what you're doing right now, and what you're going to do. I bring these your people before you, those coming through the archives and the podcast as well. And, Father, I ask that you would bless today with uncommon favor. Move for every family member represented here, every household God. Every family member near and far, every friend near and far today, moved by your spirit for these your people. Lord, somebody waiting on an uncommon blessing from you, an uncommon miracle this week. Somebody said, I heard that the other people got it, but I didn't get nothing. Lord, help them to trust you. And if just you walk, and by faith, not by sight. Help today, Lord. Shower your people with unexpected, unexpected, blessed, uncommon miracles. In the name of Jesus, February 16, 2023, in our time, O oh God. For our timing is not your timing, but do it today in our timing. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you right now. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for your pouring. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, glory. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, thank you right now, Lord. Thank you for filling the cup this morning. Hallelujah for your people. Thank you, Lord, for raining down your blessings upon them. Oh, things could be so much different. Oh, but your grace and your mercy, most of all, your love for us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, touch and heal this morning. It's you that heal all manner of sickness and disease. Do it for your glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lead and guide us today in the right path for your name's sake. But, Father, your name is on it, and you're going to bless us in the right direction. Or that would cause us to be more than blessed because you're more than God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we ask that you would bless those that are incarcerated, especially those that are innocent, God. Move today and move for their families. And, Lord, continue to send someone with the word. And, Lord, send someone to ward and to fertilize. But we wait on you because it's you that give the increase in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you this morning. Thank you. Bless those that are in every branch of the military and the administration of the military, every branch this morning. Men and women today, oh God, serving their country, moved by your spirit for them and bless their families, oh God, like never before. I ask that you would send uncommon miracles their way, their family way. Today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, February 16, 2023. Uh, in the now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, look at that. Thank you, Lord. Huh? Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. Uh, we thank you this morning for what you're doing for the military. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Who wanted to give up? Oh, but you're moving this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. Father, we come asking that you would bless widows and bereaved families and intercessory prayer people everywhere. Preachers, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people this morning. Father, we ask that you would bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem. Bless all our brothers and sisters overseas, God. Bless their families, their children. You know what they all stand in the need of. We ask this morning that you would supply the need, and God, that you would go beyond and give, an, give them uncommon favor like they've never had before. And we thank you this morning because favor will open doors even for their children in the name of Jesus. Thank you this morning, Father. Thank you. Thank you. And Father, we ask that you would bless this United States of America. Bless this U.S. as they're calling it. Lord, you put it together, and you made it so a people could be blessed, a people could have miracles, a people could know your son, Jesus, that your people would prepare and go back with you when you come. And Lord, people have allowed the enemy to come in and steal, because that's his job. They allowed him to come in and kill and destroy but, Father, it's you who come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And God is willing, as long as someone is willing to have abundant life, God, you yet in the saving business. 
You yet in the sanctification business. You yet in the filling us with your spirit, baptizing us in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Uh, the enemy have no sin for you. It's no match. And Father, we thank you for all you've done. Ask that you would bless the leadership of America. Fix their hearts and regulate their minds today. That God, they would do the right thing. And remember, without you, they can do nothing. It's not because of them that the country is still existing. It's because of you. Because on their value and their views, we would have been went out of here. We would have been folded and went over. Someone else would have been over us. Oh, but your grace and your mercy, most of all your love. And Father, you have all power. There's no higher power. And you have the last word on everything. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Feed us until we want no more. Father, bless us today like never before. Let us hold on to your word today and not forget. Let us not let nothing choke it out of us, burn it from us, but that, God, we would hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Do it today in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Thank you for the cup this morning. Hallelujah. All fulfilling. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful this morning. When I tell you unto Almighty God for all he has done, what he's doing right now, and what he's going to do. We're going to this one this morning, and when we come back, uh, we're coming back with our first speaker of the morning.
your attention this morning to my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in the Old Testament, very familiar passage of scripture to many Bible readers, Psalm 46. Psalm 46, the Old Testament book of Psalms and Psalm 46. And I call your attention to verse 10. Psalm 46 beginning at verse 10. Psalm 46 beginning at verse 10. If you have that passage of scripture, say amen. If you don't say wait for me, I'm waiting. I heard you just after Job and before Proverbs. In the Old Testament, you'll find the book of Psalms, the longest book of the Bible, Psalm 46, beginning at verse 10. I'm going to read today from the Old King James Version of the Holy Word of God. And this is what the Word of God says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. That's enough. Amen. Praise God for his holy word. You may be seated in the presence of the living God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. For the time that is ours to share together today, I want to talk from the subject, When It's Out of Your Hands. When it's out, when it's out of your hands. What do you do when there's absolutely nothing you can do? How do you handle the circumstance? How do you keep persevering? How do you keep pressing on when there's absolutely nothing in your humanity that is possible to be done? I found myself wrestling with that, Pastor Lawson, over these last several weeks. 
this past month and some change has been, of course, a most trying ordeal, trying to deal with the reality that <laughs> there's just nothing that I could do about the situation at hand. Dealing with a 12-year-old boy, now 13, praise the Lord, who was wrestling with a physical ailment from which he could get no swift release. Dealing with the reality that the pain in his body was so severe, it would sometimes keep him up at night or wake him out of his sleep. How do you handle a situation when you can't do anything about the situation you're trying to handle? And I understand, I'm a Christian, I believe in the power of prayer, I know I can pray, I know I can believe, but when you can't do anything with your physical hands, when you can't do anything in your humanity to fix a situation, you have to deal with the reality that there are some, some days in your life where you have to stand there and wrestle with the reality that you can't deal with everything that comes up in your life. That's where I've been, church family, for the past several weeks, and i got a funny feeling and a sneaking suspicion that I'm not the only person who's found yourself at that situation in life. Yeah. If you live life long enough, you'll find yourself at the place where you don't have the opportunity to do anything about the circumstance you're facing. And so when I get to those seasons, those spaces in my life, because I am a believer, I default to my Bible. I default especially to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is my favorite book because in the book of Psalms, you find every human experience being uplifted. You find brothers and sisters who are at the top of their lives, the top of their proverbial games. They're on the mountaintop experiences of life, and they know how to rejoice at a place like that. And then you find brothers and sisters going through the worst circumstances of their lives. And right there in the book of Psalms, you can resonate with me, people who understand that sometimes life will knock the life out of you. In the book of Psalms, you find people who, have, who desire to rejoice in the Lord and celebrate God's goodness. But you also find people who just want to be real about their circumstance. And they say, God, you better do something about this situation and do something fast. I like the book of Psalms because every human emotion is revealed from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150. And I'm grateful that in Psalm 46, this passage that is before us today, we have the experience of brothers and sisters who are in relationship with God and have con confidence in him to the point that they would sing a song and worship God in the midst of the circumstances of their lives. Psalm 46, according to scholarship, Reverend A.J., is known as a song, a communal song of confidence and trust. When you read Psalm 46, you are reminded that there are a group of believers who understand that God is is at work in every scene and situation of life and we can trust God with everything that is within us. Listen to how Psalm 46 starts off. You Bible readers know it. It says God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Don't miss it. You hear the community's voice being raised as they celebrate a God who continues to do great things in their lives. Can I give it to 
to you again. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. The community is celebrating their confidence and trust in the God of their salvation. I like it. I appreciate the fact that when we get in settings like this, we can celebrate that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. I have absolutely no qualms with verse 1, but it's around verse 2 that I start not so much resonating with the psalmist. Can I be transparent and honest with you on a Sunday morning? Because at verse 2, he says, therefore, will not we fear? He says, because I know that God is our refuge and strength, a very present and help in the time of trouble, therefore, we will not fear. Fear. Now, I get it from a theoretical point of view. I get it when I'm dealing with reading the scriptures as a believer in the Lord our God. But can I be real honest with you? I've been through some stuff in the past few weeks that were scary situations. I've seen some things that were quite scary. I've heard some things that were quite scary. I've had a son who's been scared of his situation and his siblings who've been afraid of what might happen to him and I know that you're not supposed to act like you ever have any fear to creep up in your life but I'm just going to go on record and and tell everybody in the church there have been some seasons over these past few days where some fear has shown up in my situation oh yeah I know God has not given us the spirit of fear, but we got it from somewhere. Because somebody can testify every now and then if you run up on the wrong thing, it will scare you beyond belief. That's where I've been when doctors can't understand what's going on with a 12-year-old healthy boy, when doctors can't give a proper diagnosis to his situation, and we have to sit there and know that we'll be in an extended season of frustration and aggravation. It's a scary situation. That's where I've been for the past four and a half weeks. I've been wondering how in the world am I supposed to stand and be the person I'm supposed to be when all I can feel are tears well up in my eyes when I'm breaking down in front of my boy I know I'm supposed to be the pastor I'm supposed to be the preacher but every now and then when you are a parent some stuff will break you down break you down Therefore, will not be fear. I get it from a theoretical perspective, but personally, child of God, that was not my testimony over these past few weeks, and it still ain't my testimony. I'm trying to preach through this thing, you understand. And so here it is. Bible says we won't fear. Over and over again through these 11 verses, the psalmist is raising up his confidence in God. And for 10 of the 11 verses of the psalm, the psalmist, the hymn writer, the the worship leader is trying to get everybody in the community to understand just how wonderful our God is. And I get it. I appreciate it. But likewise, I more appreciate verse 10 because in verse 10, God decides, I'm not going to let the worship leader 
leader, speak on my behalf. Verse 10 is when God shows up in the midst of the psalm and speaks for himself. And when God speaks for himself, he says, listen here, I know you got some trepidation. I know you got some fear. I know it's some stuff that's shaking you to your core. So here's my word for you, child of God. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted. Brothers and sisters, I wish I had ten folk right up there in that balcony who are grateful that no matter what goes down in your life, if you stay close enough to your God, he won't let everybody else speak for him. Every now and then he'll speak for himself. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. I love the text, brothers and sisters, because it reminds me that God knows how to show up just in the nick of time and speak a word into your situation that lets you know that trouble will not last always. Lets you know that you won't cry always. You won't be despondent always. You won't be brokenhearted always. Can I find seven people who can look back over your life and testify, I've been brokenhearted. I've been frustrated. I've been torn down. But God knows how to knit the pieces of my broken heart back together and give me victory over my adversity. So watch God, watch God help us, help, help us deal with the reality that when it's out of your hands, if you can learn how to put it in God's hands, everything is going to work out all right. Now, now, church family, this blesses me because the first thing the text seems to teach me is that when it's out of your hands, you and I need to learn how to, watch this, relax. Yeah, I know, I know that that wasn't something you came to hear because you know sometimes the stuff you deal with in your life can stress you out. Can I find the people in church who'll be honest even if the person next to you won't be and testify? There's some stuff on my job. There's some stuff in my life. There's some stuff in my finances. There's some stuff going on with my family that stresses me out. Oh, don't let these Sunday go to meeting clothes fool you. Don't let this Mac makeup on these sisters' faces fool you. Don't let these nice shoes on these brothers' feet fool you. Some stuff in life will stress you out. And it is into that situation that God shows up and says, relax. Now, I say that a lot to my children. I've been saying that a lot to my children for a long time. And now God had to say it back to me. He said, hey, boy, relax. That's what, that's what the text says. Be still. I like that word, be still. It's rafa in the Hebrew. It's a beautiful phrase that literally has several connotations. Reverend Stephanie Joy Grigg, several connotations. The first is, first of all, don't be so despondent and disheartened. Um, don't, don't be lazy and cowardice. But another phrase that, that this, this connotation reveals is to withdraw, to drop your weapons and let God handle it. No, no, no. You missed it. No. 
it is, it is an arsenal kind of picture because if you'll remember the previous verses, if you read it before, you know that the psalmist speaks about wars that God makes to cease. He says there's always some kind of war, some kind of drama, some kind of situation that shows up in your life. And when you are in relationship with God, when you can't handle the war, the battle, the drama, the stress, God says withdraw, retreat, drop your weapons, I got this. That didn't bless you like it blessed me, so let me push it a bit farther. He not only says, I got this, he likewise says, I got you. (laughs) Now that's what blesses my socks off, to know that in the midst of the situation, God's got it and God's got me. Because when you don't know what to do, and when it's out of your control, and when you don't know how to do anything about the circumstance in front of you, you've got to have somebody bigger than you, greater than you, stronger than you, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think, who can step in and work that thing out for your good. Can I find seven people in church today who can look back over your life and testify, if I hadn't taken my hands off some stuff, I'd have messed it up for the rest of my life. But when I learned how to withdraw, say, hey, God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. I need you to work this thing out. I found out he'll work all things together for the good of them who love him and are the called according to his purpose. That's my word to somebody today. You get ready to go back to work tomorrow with them folks stressing you out. When you get ready to go back home today with them folks stressing you out, some of whom sitting next to you right now, keep looking straight ahead. God says, drop your weapons. Quit trying to handle it in your own power because you can't fix this. There's some stuff you can't handle by yourself, but is there anybody in here who can testify? You're grateful you've got a God on your side who can handle it, withdraw, drop your weapons, because God got this and God's got you. Relax. Be still. Be still. Be still. I want you to relax. But that's not all I want you to do. I want you to relax, first of all, because there are going to be some circumstances that are going to come at you that if you try to handle it, it just mess you up more. Uh, I'm in the Bible because when you read verses 2 and 3, he says, we don't fear because even if the earth be removed... And if the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, waters roar and be troubled, mountains shake and with the swelling thereof. He literally speaks of if all of creation goes completely haywire, you can't do nothing about it anyway. So you may as well withdraw and let God be God. Maybe you haven't run up on the right thing yet that you couldn't handle by yourself. Cause, and I get it, because I'm personally, I'm a fixer. That's what I do. I fix stuff. I like to be able to fix situations and circumstances. I like to be able to handle stuff. I pride myself on being able, being able to reconcile some things and fix some stuff. Am I alone by here, in here by myself? Is there anybody in here? Yeah, there's one right there. There's some people in here who know that you like to make sure that everything's all right. And when you get to the point in your life where you can't do that, 
God says, relax. Be still. And then he says, after you relax, I want you to remember. Well, what do you want me to remember, God? I want you to remember that I am God. Because if the truth be told, some of us fixers have a God complex. Why didn't you say amen right there? You know I was talking about you. You should have said amen. I said some of us fixers have a God complex. We think we can handle earth, especially after the training we've had, the experiences we've had, the circumstances we've already handled. We think we can deal with earth. And there have to be some moments in your life when God has to back you up in the corner and say, hey, sit yourself down. Take your hands off of this and remember I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I like this, brothers and sisters, because what the psalmist is trying, what God is trying to get everybody in the community to understand is that they have a track record with God. They have some history with God. They have, they have had some moments with God that they need to reflect upon and they can remember what God has already done. As a matter of fact, it's right there in Psalm 46. The, the worship leader, the songwriter has tried to remind them of who God is in the first place. It's in verse 1. I said it to you earlier in the sermon. I told you God is our refuge and God is our strength and he's a very present help in trouble. Rewind, press play. You missed it. I said, he's our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's a shelter from the storm. He's the one into, into whom we can run and be safe. Is there anybody who ever had to just run up on God and say, hey, God, I need you to hold me and secure me and safeguard me. He's our refuge. Ah, but he's also our strength. I'm talking to that person who tried to handle stuff in your own power and you got weaker and weaker along the journey, but you found out when you called out to your God, he would show up and strengthen you in ways you never thought imaginable. I need six people in every section to testify that every now and then you've had to cry out like the old saints, Father, I stretch my hand to thee because there's no other help I know. And is there anybody in here who can testify he will strengthen you? Is there anybody who can just help me preach and testify he'll restore your strength? He'll renew your strength. He'll lift you up and give you another lease on life. He'll help you to shake off the stuff you had to go through so you can get ready for the stuff that is ahead of you. He said, I want you to know that he's, he's our refuge, he's our strength, and he's a very present help in trouble. Look at the imagery, child of God. The Bible literally helps us to understand that when you get in these kinds of stressful situations, distressing circumstances, you ain't got to go look for God. Pardon me, bad grammar, bad grammar. You don't have to search for God. He's already there. I said he's a very present help that that before you even knew it was going to show up on your radar, 
God was working out a situation by which he would be able to calm you down and keep you secure and help you out of what you're going through. Okay, here's old school. While you trying to figure it out. He's already worked. Is there anybody in here ever seen God work some stuff out in your life? I need somebody to testify. I couldn't handle it on the job, couldn't handle it in my family, but God worked some things out for me. And so then, Pastor Pastor Lawson, uh, the psalmist has to help us understand verses 7 and 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let me give it to you again. I said the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You don't don't have to go seek for him. You don't have to search him out. The Lord of hosts is with us. I love that connotation, the Lord of hosts. That's the big God. That's the battle-fighting God. That's the warrior God. That's the God who says, hey, hey, sit down and watch me work. Anybody ever seen God do that in your situation? Then the Lord of hosts shows up. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And then watch this little word at the end of verses 7 and 11. It's in the King James Version. It says, Selah. Now those of you who've been in church a while, you know what Selah means. But there are those who are new to to the faith who may not know what Selah means. It's literally a musical term. Some suggest that literally means rest. Chill. Ruminate on what you just heard. Think about what I just told you. Don't rush too fast to the next part of your situation. Rest and think about the fact that he's with you. This is not the place where you do a whole lot of noise making. This is the spot where you just sit there. And in your own spirit, you tell the Lord, thank you. That you're with me. That I don't have to go through this by myself. I never expected to have to deal with it, but I thank you that I don't have to deal with it on my own. My, my warrior God is with me. Oh, child of God, I came to encourage somebody today and let you know he's with you in this struggle. I don't care if your friends and family desert you. He promised never to leave you alone. The Lord of hosts is with you. Rest in that. Believe that. Think about that. Let it run around in your mind. Let it run through your spirit. Let it roll over you and let it engulf you because you need to know that when you go back to what you have to deal with. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And he says you ought to remember that. Don't you let your mind forget that because life will make you forget what you just shouted about 20 minutes ago. Ooh. I said life will make you forget the whole 90 minutes of church you just enjoyed. Come on, is there anybody in here who can testify right after the benediction? You can get back to your car and run up on something that you never anticipated. And it will make you forget what you just shouted about. But every now and then you need to rest and remember that the Lord of hosts is with us. I got to close the message, but I need you to relax. And I need you to remember. And when you relax and remember... I need to close the message by telling you, you better recognize 
It's right there in the book. I, ain't messed, I'm not, I have not left verse 10 yet. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, the national verse says, I'll be exalted among the nations. But I like that word heathen. It literally means those who don't believe that I am who I say I am. They will soon recognize that everything I say about myself, I'm able to provide and perform just when you need it most. Everything I say that I am, I will be because you need me to be. And I'll make sure that even your haters know that if you're in relationship with God, it doesn't matter what they do to for or about you. God will work that thing out for your good. Okay. I will be exalted among the heathen. I saw it happen, Pastor Lawson, sitting in that boy's hospital room over these last few weeks. I saw it happen. We were there preparing for the third surgery. Didn't anticipate a third surgery, but because my boy wasn't getting any better, we were sitting there preparing for the third surgery. It's called an add-on surgery. Medical professionals in the room will know what an add-on is. It means it literally wasn't on the schedule at first. But it popped up and you need to put it on the schedule and get into OR as soon as you possibly can. So we were an add-on for that day. So we had high hopes that the surgery would be in the morning. Surgery was not able to be in the morning, so we're just going through the day. By noon, still no surgery. Middle of the afternoon, still no surgery. Around 5 o'clock, the doctor who was to perform the surgery comes into the room and she says, I'm trying to stay, but I've been operating all day long. And it's time for me to get off now. And it's time for me to go. And I don't think I'm going to be able to perform your surgery because there's no operating room available for us. So now you can imagine the tension in the room. She's giving us some bad news. And we had put our confidence in Sister Girl. Because the day before, she said, all my colleagues call me the ear girl. And my boy got an ear problem. So I want the ear girl to handle the problem with the boy with the ear issue. She said, but I got to go now. I got to go home. My shift is over. It's time for me to leave. So, uh, because I'm privileged to know some people. who are members of this church, who are in this service right now. I made a phone call, sent a text to be sure. I said, hey, you need to work this out because ear girl says she going home.
That's why you can't hold on to your testimony. You better open up your mouth about your God. You may need to let somebody know on the job, in the neighborhood, in the restaurant, who your God is so he might be exalted. My time is out. But that's not all that the Bible says. He not only said, I'm going to be exalted among the heathen. He said, I'm going to be exalted in the earth. Literally suggesting, I'm going to get exalted even by the folk who know who I am. And who are in relationship with me. He said, I'm going to make sure that by the time the dust settles and the smoke clears, everybody is going to know I'm God. Watch. Uh, it's been a rough world. You know this already. You know it. It's been a rough road. I've been trying to keep game face on. I've been trying to act tough. It's been a rough road. Uh, my boy was languishing somewhere between affliction and depression for the past several days. Heavily medicated, sitting in his bed, refusing to open his eyes, even when the company was all around the room. Refusing to say anything, do, talk, do too much talking, except every now and then. As a consequence of his sickness, his voice has now been, the volume of his voice has now been muffled. He cannot raise his voice like he wants to. He's dealing with some severe challenges that nobody anticipated would have been a result of just an ear infection. Problem after problem after problem. And so now he's languishing. He's, he's, he's between affliction and, and depression. And uh, just laying there all day long. Heavily medicated. But Wednesday of last week, he just got up out of the bed. Started walking around doing arts and crafts. For the last three days, he's just been painting stuff. He's Picasso now. Boy, he ain't never painted nothing before. For the last three days, he's been painting everything. He painted a scene out of The Lion King. And I said, Hakuna Matata. You better know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's just been painting stuff. So he walks up. He's standing up. Painting when the doctors come in. They say, oh, Matthew, how in the world are you you're up at the bed? You're looking so good. Eyes are open. Everything's going well. He said, everything's all right. I told the boy when the doctors left out, I said, son, your God is such a great God. And there's some stuff he just does suddenly. We didn't expect it. We didn't see it coming. But God just does some stuff suddenly. My boy looked back at his daddy and with a muted voice. He said, I hear you, Daddy, but some stuff God doesn't do suddenly. There's some stuff God does eventually. I got to close my message. My boy ain't out the hospital yet. He still got to deal with some stuff in his body that he's not liking right now. He's still frustrated by the fact he's spending his birthday in the hospital. But can I tell somebody that even if your God doesn't do it suddenly, we've got a God who's still able to do it eventually. Can I find somebody in this sanctuary, anybody over there in that worship center, who can go ahead and help me close this message and say whether he does it suddenly or whether he does it eventually, he's still going to get exalted. I don't care if he does it.
Well, I had to bring it up to 98. But the message still is the same. Because whatever you need is over here at the table. If it's love, it's at the table. If it's peace, it's at the table. Come on.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Mr. Richard Smallwood. And that's an old one right there at the table. But it reminded me of this. He would prepare a table in the presence of mine enemies. Yeah, he will, almighty God. And so look, if I got anything going on, I don't care what it is. I'm going to the table and get it fixed. He's able, oh yeah, to give me love, joy, peace, happiness, remove the stress, stop aggravation. He also gave me power, power to bind up whatever I want to bind up. That that I bind on earth, he'll bind it in heaven. And that which I loose on earth, he'll loose it in heaven. I don't have no problems today because greater is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. Where the problem come in is if I keep looking in the natural and God is working for me in the spirit, I'm going to miss something. But if I look in the natural, I mean, look in the spirit, I'm going to see God moving. And I'm going to keep my mind on him. Therefore, he's going to keep me in perfect peace. Hallelujah. That was a dedication to all of us this morning from Sion Jackson. Yeah. And she said it reminds her of this show because you can come here and get what you need. In the morning, you come. <laughs> if you're seeking God for real, you're going to get what you need right here. Some things you may not know you need, he's going to give you anyway because he supplied me, your need, according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. Ah, thank you. Thank you. By his son, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We're thankful unto him. Uh, I have one more. I got one more I'm going to go to uh, this morning, uh, hopefully a brief one. But listen, um, I asked Sister Linda. She's in Los, I mean, uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, I asked her this morning to go to Brother Frank's home going on my behalf because uh, I really don't have the money to fly and pay for the hotel. She's in Las Vegas, which is, I mean, she's in Los Angeles, California, which is closer to Vegas. And she told me I wouldn't have to worry about the money. She would be happy to go. So, look, if we could get together and if we could come up with like $150, everybody give $10, $15, whatever you can give, then we can buy um, a flower and send a nice flower to the family. Because Sister Linda going to cover for Jesus in the morning radio. And so I will begin with her later today to give her the details. I thought they had already had his homegoing celebration and everything was over with because the sister called me one time, but she never called me back. But yesterday, it just came upon me really strong. Call this number and hold on. And I did. And I called back again and she answered. And so we got a, a chance to talk. But I need y'all in prayer for her, in prayer for her, because God gave, I mean, Brother Frank gave all that he gave to different ministries and people. He gave that to God. He didn't give it to man. Yeah. And so she wanted him to stop and to do this and to do that and uh, get the people to send him information so that he could uh five taxes on it. But see, I taught Brother Frank too. And I taught him this. If you given to God, you don't want nothing back on the taxes from the church and no other ministry. 
Give it unto God because, see, God is going to multiply it back to you. Yeah. He loves a cheerful giver. And he said, if we give, he would cause men to give into our bosom, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So if I give to a ministry, I'm not looking for no money back. That's not what I'm looking for. I gave it as unto God, and I'm through with it. When I give my my tithe and offering to the church, I'm not going up there to my bishop. I need that tax paperwork. I need that tax information. No, I gave it as giving it to God, and I gave it to God. That was just the place that I gave it through. So I don't, I don't need nobody uh, fooling around talking about this and that. Thank you. So look, it's going to be all right today in Jesus' name. He's moving right now, moving right now. And I'm grateful unto him. I want to say this too. I thank God already for all the birthday gifts. I, you know what? I was not even really really thinking on my birthday. Now I want to go out to this place in Mayport Beach, Florida, and I get to pick the fish that I want or the shrimp that I want, and they cook it my style. And whoever wanted to go with me, my family could go, but I hadn't really planned no big to do like I did last year, and all these people come, and they're bringing all these gifts and stuff. That wasn't my plan for this year, but I, I may have to go back there, I guess, and uh, I thank God for your brother, Louis. I knew Louis Sherry was going to cut up. <laughs> Out of that. I knew when I saw the text, I said, oh, yeah, them two there, I know about them two. Then when I see uh, the text from Sister Dot, I said, yeah, her too. I know she was going to cut up big time. So, and, ain't no, and Jerry, ain't no, ain't, no, ain't no point. Ain't no point. But I thank God. I thank God he's on my side today. And uh, he loves me. He loves me. And so he's always blessing me, always looking out for me. And when he gives me uncommon blessings, let me tell y'all about that right quick. We are blessed every day. He wakes us up clothed in our right mind. We, we, The majority of us have a roof over our head, food in our stomach, or food to eat to put in our stomach. We have clothes to wear. Most of us have a nice vehicle. We may not have be rich, but we got two or three nickels in the checking account. Those are blessings. Hot and cold, running water in your house. You got lights, you know, electric in your home. You got TVs. All kind of stuff God has blessed us with. Some of us got some beautiful furniture. Some of y'all, like Sion, they living in the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. All that kind of stuff. But when he give you uncommon blessings, that's something you don't get every day. Because those things I mentioned, you got them every day. But uncommon blessings is when I rock and roll out to that mailbox and there's an unexpected check. Or when I check my checking account, there's an unexpected money in there come from the somebody, the federal savings and somebody from across around the corner or somewhere downtown. I don't know. Might be out of town. Unexpected blessing. When I thought it was going to cost me uh, to go to the dentist to have this adjusted, he said, no, there's no charge for that. I already included that because I knew you were going to have to come back and get some adjustments in your mouth. Huh? Free. 
Why? Uncommon blessings, uncommon miracles. God had worked some miracles in my life. My daughter lived 10 years or more on dialysis. And it wasn't the dialysis that took her out of here. They told me it was COVID. Yeah, they say she had COVID-19. That's what, but I think they uh, did some stuff they weren't supposed to do to my baby. Yeah, by putting her on some kind of breathing machine. Now, let her breathe on her own. And if she don't breathe on her own, God's going to take care of it, you see. But when we're walking in the natural, we'll mess up some things. So who was in charge, which she was married, you know, it'll be all right. Because I'm going to see her again. That's all right. But uncommon miracles, 10 years. And then she finally got a kidney. But all through the 10 years, my baby was ministering, having Bible studies, because she a preacher. Told you, call all eight of them. We got one, he coming from Bethel, Alaska soon, that oldest boy. <laughs> uh, either he coming through Washington State, because he got, you know, a house in both places because of his work. But he going to come soon and preach. And he got a message for you. That one over there in Kissimmee, the bishop, when he get a chance, he going to come through. Yeah, yeah, see, he going to come through and, and talk to us about a few things, all eight, even that youngest boy. I had fourth Sunday fellowship at my church one Sunday where I attend, and I asked that youngest boy to speak. He said, yeah, mama, I'll do it. Let me tell y'all something. That boy got up to that podium, and they was holding me in the chair. That was the youngest boy, the baby boy. God was using that mouth. And let me tell you something. The Spirit of the Lord sat on him and used him. And the way he moved, you knew that this was the move of God. See, a lot of days I don't pay him no attention because I say it many days. I said, Lord, they acting crazy. I didn't say they were crazy. I said, Lord, they acting like fools. I need you to straighten that out. Had one walking through the club with the liquor in his hand and the glass cussing. The devil say, and that's what you call an anointing? Guess what I said to the devil? Absolutely nothing. And then my old boss called me and said, I saw Lonnie the preacher walking through the club with the liquor and cussing. I said, yeah, you know, uh, sometimes folk go backwards. They don't go forward. I said, but simply because they go backwards, it don't mean God can't bring them forward, clean them up, and bring them from where they at. And I went on in Jesus, honey. You're not going to uh, let the devil use you to make me bow down from doing the will of him that sent me. That wasn't me. That was the seed. I'm going on in Jesus. And I used to tell them this. I said, oh, okay, y'all want to act a fool? I said, y'all go ahead and act a dunking, but I'm running on in Jesus. And leave them right there in the living room. <laughs> And going on up the steps. <laughs> yeah. And look back down there at Adam and say, praise the Lord. And go right on up the steps. And they would get together and talk about it. Y'all know your mama crazy. And my grandson told me what they be saying. He said, grandmama. I said, what? He couldn't have been no more than four years old. He said, they down there, they be down there talking about you. All of my aunts and uncles, they come over to Aunt Coco and they get together. I said, what they say, little D? 
They say, I feel the Holy Ghost. And, and Grandmama, I say, boy, they started laughing so hard. <laughs> and I knew they were doing all of that. I knew she would be in the kitchen cooking and got all the siblings down with her and they having a good time. And then after a while, she'd say, who said this? He coming on the Kawasaki. I saw him in the Mitsubishi. And they all, that's your mama, Coco, that's your mama. And they all just have a good laugh. I knew they were doing all of that. But I didn't have anything to say about it because guess what? The same way they was laughing, oh, your mama pray at the drop of a hat. And don't let her get close to you because she's going to lay hands on you, honey. And, and, and she would go through the living room laying hands on her siblings and her children, just cutting up. Yeah, and I would go right on. And guess what I got to see? I got to see them pray for their children. I got to see them pray for other people. Yeah, y'all laughed at me. <laughs> but look what happened to you. Yeah, this is why we love our enemies. He said to love them because what the enemy is against you for, it's going to be against the world for the same thing when God gets through with them. He wished that none should perish. Again, this morning, he died for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We don't hold nothing against nobody. We got the risen Savior. We have the big God, almighty God that have all power. Hallelujah, Jesus. Look, I'm going to this next clip. And uh, this really kind of uh, stuck out with me. And I never knew this had gone on, but it, it had. So wait, first let me get this one song request out, and then we go on right in and hear this. And this is what it is. A former gangster plots to kill Billy Graham when he was living. Yeah, had plotted to kill Billy Graham. Oh, but God got a perfect plan. He's got a mighty sweet weight. All right, Sister Jerry, I'm bringing this one at you right now.
God, I just hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you with everything that's in me. And God, I want to make this place that I will never love you and I will never serve you in any way whatsoever because I just hate you so much because you've taken my dad. Because you've taken my dad. Hello, I am Charles Miller. I am the pastor of the Ministry Road. Many people call me Mr. C. I'm getting ready to share a very incredible story about a man named George Palmer. George was a mob boss and a gangster in Australia. George had developed an extreme hatred towards God because of something that happened to him very unfortunately at an early age. When George found out and heard the news that the Reverend Billy Graham was going to be preaching a crusade in Melbourne, Australia, he rallied his gang in the arena where Billy Graham was preaching that night and plotted to assassinate the Reverend Billy Graham. This is an incredible story of how God himself intervened and he audibly heard God's voice and God took his heartened heart and immediately changed it into a heart of love. Please stay with me right now as I introduce to you and tell you the amazing story of God's love of Mr. George Palmer. Now I want you to turn with me to the second chapter of John's Gospel. The second chapter, and I hope everybody has a Bible tonight. It's good to be here with you to share with you, Charles. And I, I just want to say from the beginning that uh, this has really very little to do with me, but it's everything to do with what the Lord can do with a person uh, in a person's life and in their heart. My story begins when I was very young. I was angry before anything else happened because I didn't grow like other kids grew. And um, I had a lot of trouble at school because I was so small. Uh, the kids used to pick on me. Um, and then my father took very sick and was rushed to hospital. And it was there he had a heart attack and uh, wasn't uh, supposed to live. And uh, when we got the news through to say that my dad had died, I was shattered. Now, my dad wasn't the best dad in the world. Uh, he used to drink and uh, quite often came home drunk. Um, but when, when no alcohol was involved, he was a wonderful man and I loved him very, very much. But I remember getting the news, hearing the news about him dying. And I remember rushing out the back door up into the top paddock where he passed, planted all those trees. And I remember, I remember yelling and screaming out at God, God, I just hate you. I hate you with everything that's in me. And God, I want to make this place that I will never love you and I will never serve you in any way whatsoever because I just hate you so much because you've taken my dad. And that set the scene then for perhaps the rest of my life, Charles. 
I um, then uh, the next day when I went to school, uh, I was just so angry. I was just boil, boiling over. And uh, anyway, uh, one of the kids turned to me and called me a dwarf. And I just turned around and I smacked him in the face and knocked all his front teeth out. And uh, I was sent to the, given six cuts, I was sent to the headmaster and given another six cuts. And that set the scene of my school life. If I didn't average six cuts a day, there was something wrong, something absolutely wrong. I became an obnoxious, foul-mouthed little boy, um, and little in the sense of being a small person. My, my uncle used to call me the little runt of the family, and that didn't enhance me to him at all, because I hated being called that, absolutely hated being called that. Yeah. Yeah. George, uh, what uh, I want you to maybe explain to everybody, uh, because certainly you have a situation in your life whereas you were so hardened towards God, as you just now explained to us, uh, George. Um, just as in the Bible, where the where the Lord said that he that Herod's heart was hardened, whereas no matter what yeah. God did up to a certain point, it made it it seemed not to make it seemed to just not make any difference whatsoever because it was hardened. Um, hatred was embedded in your heart because you was, I guess, so disappointed of a loss of your father that you loved dearly, and you didn't understand yeah. why, in your opinion, instead of blaming the devil, you blamed God. Um, what what does a hatred heart do to somebody? How does that feel? How does it how does it grow? Tell us a little bit about that, if you would. Well, I think it. I think personally, to me, I think it's like a cancer. And, and this cancer grows inside you. Nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. But you know it's there and it's growing. And you're getting, um, you know, the least little thing would, would just make you so angry that, that um, the display that you displayed was not really of you. And people were surprised about it, you know. I changed schools. I went to the Aubrey Grammar School uh, in uh, New South Wales. And uh, I went there because they were a school that's very, very strict. But I only lasted there about six months before I was expelled um, because of this, this continuous ex exhibition of, of hatred and anger that I had in my life. And I, th I see it in so many of our young people today, the same thing. The same thing I see in them was actually in me today, was in me back there then. Well, George, you, um, I remember you telling me um, that your mother was, was, was religious. She took you to church. So you did know something yes. about God. And um, so... I know that this led you into uh, in, into in, into an area of working with of, with a gang. You became the leader of a gang. Explain what what yes. happened to you. How where did your life transpire from that? However, let me say this before you start with that, uh, Brother George. Uh, your your life, uh, you knew about God. There are many um, moms out there or fathers out there that are praying for yes. a wayward child. And I guess yes. I would say to them, and I know you would say to them, don't give up. 
Because no matter how yeah. wayward that child is or seems to be right now or how impossible or hopeless it might be, your mother was praying for you. And oh, even yes. though it looked, it looked bleak, tell us about what happened to you at that point when you became a teenager, when you became older in life, which led up to your desire to assassinate, um, to, um, to, to kill Billy Graham. The, the, the hatred yeah. grew so intensely for you to actually have that much of a hardened heart. What became of you after that? What, what became of you? Tell us about the gang. Well, I think, uh, Charles, I think um, we ended up moving, selling the farm, and we moved to, Albra to um, Melbourne. And there I went to Footscray Technical School. Um, now, they started at uh, 2A was the top, and the lowest they could get was 2N. And that's where I ended up, because that's where all the no-hopers were, in 2N. And uh, I displayed my anger right throughout the whole of my school life, was there all the time. And then I finally got an apprenticeship with the Victorian Railways, and uh, I got an apprenticeship as an electrical fitter, and uh, I um, went through my apprenticeship with this anger uh, and hatred to anybody. It didn't matter who they were. Uh, you know, if, if somebody had said something to me that annoyed me, I would pick up a chisel and throw at them. Whether it hit them or not, I, I didn't care. Uh, it was just, just a display of this uncontrollable anger that I had in my life and then in my second year just halfway through my second year apprenticeship uh, we were transferred down to Newport workshops um, yeah, just out of Melbourne and uh, we served about uh, two years down there and while I was there I heard about this group that met and uh, I went to talk to them about it and they sort of laughed at me at first and said, okay, you can be our midget. You can be our, 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 uh, our little midget man. And uh, that made me even worse. And uh, just then, after I'd been in the gang about probably three to six months, the leader of the gang then um, got a call from America to say that his parents over there uh, were dying and that he needed to go over there uh, to them. And so they were with Lauda Leader. Now to choose a leader of the gang, what they did was that they heated a piece of three eight round steel up red hot and put it in the top of your leg. And if you didn't pass out with the pain, then you became the leader. And there's only two of us went for it. Uh, I was the mug that uh, was able to withstand the pain and so I became the leader. Now being the leader, whatever I said went. There was no disputation at all about anything that I'd said. And of course, then in 1959, or before 1959 it was, we heard that this man, Billy Graham, was coming to Melbourne to conduct a crusade. 
And I think it's very important that we find out what is a born-again Christian and what is a born-again Christian supposed to be like. And how do you become born again? I don't mean how do you become a Democrat or a Republican. I mean how do you become born again, have a new birth. And I want us to talk about that tonight in the last two verses. A great crowd of people were following Jesus in this second chapter, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. There was a man of the Pharisees now in this crowd named Nicodemus, a ruler. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? And we talked it over and we said, Let's get this guy. And we hate Christianity. And so that's what we planned on doing. And during the time I was in uh, the railways, the workshops, I made up 10 zip guns. And so each member had a zip gun. Now they're very dangerous things because they can blow up in your face quite easily, quite easily. Um, and uh, so we decided this was the way we were going to get back at God through getting at Billy Graham, because he was God's man at that stage. Why and um, why, uh, why Billy Graham? Um, let me, I, am, I, am I calling this right? Am I thinking about it this way correctly, uh, George? Why Billy Graham? Uh, God had taken, had, you thought in your, in your young heart when you was young, God yeah. had taken your father from you um, so is that the way you was thinking about Billy Graham that you would take something from God? It was was that was was that the reason why such hate for Billy Graham? Uh, tell us about that. I know you're going into that part of the story, but what caused you? I mean, what caused you to hate Billy Graham so much? What what what, what started that? I think it was payback time, Charles. Payback time. God had taken from me. Now we were going to take from him, and. He was such a high-profile man, high-profile, that we thought, this is the man we've got to get. This is the man we've got to get, you know? And so when we um, heard that he was coming and he was going to do a crusade on the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, now, the Melbourne Cricket Ground is a, a very large ground and it holds nearly, I think, 100,000 people and it was full but we stationed ourselves around the wire fences um, but then a miracle happened well if it was god is so sneaky he really is so sneaky you know we said miracle happened they opened the gates onto the green and so i said to the guys come on let's go we're on the green we'll get closer to it so we went on to the green and we stationed ourselves around. Now, I could see every guy that was there. I knew them. I saw them. And we hid our guns under our jumpers. 
And uh, I have no idea what was said that night. I have no idea what Billy Graham preached on. I was going to ask you what the message was that made you make a decision. Because as ministers, so many times I know myself, George, that I think that if I could prepare the correct sermon, the right words, yeah. the, the perfect homiletical outline, a sermon, that that's what it would take. And I never, ever could come up with that sermon. It always was the Holy Spirit that preached the, yes. preached the right thing to yes. somebody's heart. So yes. I was going to ask you, yes. what in the world did Billy Graham preach that night that made you change yes. your mind? But you saying that you did not even hear the sermon? Never, ever heard the sermon, Charles. I, I, as a matter of fact, um, when it, oh, I'll get to it a little later on. But um, about halfway through the pro this procedure, I'm looking around at all these people, and there's 143,000 people there. There's never been a bigger crowd than that on the Melbourne Cricket Ground since. And so I'm looking around at all these people, and I thought, what the dickens are all these stupid people doing here? I said, they must be mad or something. You know, there's something wrong with them. Because I used to think Christians used to have two brains, you know. One was lost and the other one was out looking for it, you know. And that was my attitude towards Christians. And I, I looked around and I, again and I, I, a little later on said the same thing again. And then I, I turned back and then suddenly somebody said to me, well, what are you doing here, George? I thought, well, who the Dickens knows me here? So I turned around to have a look. No, I couldn't see anybody. I didn't know anybody. So I turned back around again. And you know, three times that happened to me, Charles. Three times. And you know, it was amazing because in my mind came flooding back something that I'd learned at Sunday school about Moses and the burning bush. And God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And I thought to myself, I thought, surely this is not God speaking to a foul-mouthed little brat, George Palmer. And three times God said that. What are you doing here, George? And that's when I recognized it was him and him speaking to me. And it was just so amazing. And I'll tell you what, for the first time in my life, Charles, I was scared. I was really, really scared, you know? Now, I said to you that I didn't know whether or not what Billy Graham preached. I had no idea. And I also don't know for a fact whether or not the choir sang just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Now, I have no idea whether the choir sang that, but I heard it. I heard it in my mind. It was just, just astounding because I think that was the thing that really, really changed me when I realized suddenly that, that, that God himself had done something 
so that this person, this, this foul-mouthed little man, might find life and life abundantly. It was just so amazing. And God said to me, I remember him saying to me the last time he spoke to me, George, I didn't take your father to hurt you. I didn't take your father to hurt your mother or you. I took him because he was a sick man. And he, he died just like you, you will die and everybody else around you will die. And it all seemed to make so much sense. And suddenly, for the first time, since I was seven and a half years of age, I began to weep. And the tears just streamed down my face, Charles. And it was just like a refreshing rain. You know how after it's been hot and it rains, you get that, that beautiful smell of the rain. It was just like that. There was this, this beautiful smell, I think, of life, real life. And at the invitation, I almost ran out to the front. And, and it was amazing. It was you and nine other of the gang members that was stationed around the arena. And I imagine you, right. you thought that one of you guys was going to get to Billy Graham and take him out. Um, Billy Graham didn't know it. The crowd no. didn't know it. No. You knew it and nine other of the gang members uh, knew it, and God knew it, but God would not allow it. Um, no. I, uh, I'm going to ask you right now, what were, because I remember, um, I'm going to ask you to share another story with us um, uh, while I have yeah. you, and that was, I remember you, um, how heartened your heart was at one time. Um, you had a gang fight at one time, and just to show how heartened your heart was and what God changed, I'd like you to share that story yeah. briefly with us, but let's continue where we're at right now. And I'm just amazed right now, George, you, uh, I don't know if you was a few steps away from Billy Graham, how close you was, but certainly there wasn't anything that was going to stop that act of violence uh, and, and the way the devil was, was guiding you and pulling you at that time, but God changed your mind. What in the world did you guys think? Now, you got nine other uh, gang members that are with yeah. you. God spoke to you. Um, let me ask you this now. What about them? How did God stop them? Did God speak to all you all? How did he stop not just you, but the rest of them um, from, 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 from doing that act, from, from assassinating Billy Graham that night? Charles, I have no idea. But that night, eight out of the, nine out of the ten of us got converted. Wow. You know, and... And I remember um, after the, I'd speak, spoken to the council, now they, first of all, they treated me like a, a little boy, you know, because I was so small. And I had to tell them, look, I am not a little boy, I'm 17 and a half, you know. Um, I, I'm almost a man. And, and I wanted to treat me that way. So he did. And uh, he was a great counsellor. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, this is not going to be easy for you. This is going to be so, so hard for you. You're going to have to face problems that you've never had to face before. And, and the great thing about it was the other eight guys who also came forward. Now, how God dealt with them, I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea. 
All I know is that after um, it had finished, we all met in a huddle and we hugged each other and we all cried like little babies. And we made a pact then that we would never, ever, ever do anything that would hurt anybody again. Never. The only guy that didn't make the commitment, um, he put his gun down and ran. He just ran. Uh, he was just so afraid. But, um, but going home, it was a, an interesting story going home. But I want to tell you a story about what we did. Some of the, one of the uh, terrible things we did, or maybe even a couple. Um, one of them was a big gang fight we had in the middle of Footscray, in Paisley Street, Footscray. And uh, we caught the leader of the gang, the other gang, and we held, a hand, held his hand down on the ground and we ran a car backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards over his hand. And we broke every bone in his hand. Now, he couldn't go to the hospital because the moment he did, he would be arrested. Wow. And so he grew up for the rest of his life with his hand. His fingers almost bent back 90 degrees, the way the bones sort of formed after that. And uh, that was a terrible thing. And I, I, I asked God to forgive me for that. And I believe he did. I believe he did. What did... Uh, because... What did... Uh, with, that with that story right there, George, um, the, uh, there was no remorse in your heart for what you had done um, in this particular situation with this, with this man um, and, your, and the violence that, that, that was associated with, with that type of living in that gang, that gang lifestyle. Uh, obviously, because you didn't care that, I mean, you was going to assassinate Billy Graham, for goodness sakes. Um, yeah. But God, you... Uh
unto you. We love you and we appreciate you. As we depart this morning, Father, bless our going out and bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives today according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. February 16, 2022, I mean 23, 23, God, in our time. And we ask today in Jesus' name, amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, February 16, 2023, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, and we will have a last song for the morning. And uh, I pray all is well with everybody. Hallelujah. Have a blessed day. Uh, did I stop?